Welcome to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church in Donaldson, Arkansas. This is Elder Neil Phelan, Jr., preaching in our regular Sunday morning service. On the way to church this morning, I was telling Marilyn, my subject this morning is really not a subject I wanted to talk about, but it's been something that's been on my mind for the last two or three weeks, a verse I read in the Bible. And uh, the way it works with preachers is that the Lord gives you something, and sometimes that's really not what you wanted Him to give you. And you really, and so I had other notes out there on other sermons I hope to preach in the future, and I thought, I'm going to go over and look at these. But they, they meant nothing to me when I read them. And so I must be obedient to the, to the Scripture the Lord's given me this morning. So pray for me this morning. It's a very uh, interesting topic. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. This is the verse that's been on my mind. <clears throat> I've been dwelling on it and thinking about it. And the more I thought about this passage, the larger it got. And the more scriptures that just fell into this bucket that uh, we're going to look at today. This is, is going to be a very controversial message concerning maybe other Christian faiths. But I believe it's the truth. John 8, 40, 44, 8 and 44. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. The part I want from this verse is, ye are of your father, the devil. And the title of my message this morning is Two Fathers. If we read the Bible and we believe the words of Jesus Christ, then we're going to understand that there are two fathers. You might say spiritual fathers on earth. There are the children of God, and there are the children of the devil. That means that there are two families on earth. There are two kinds of children. And if we go through the scriptures and read about them, we're going to find their traits, their family characteristics, and that's what I want to do this morning. So we're going to lay that scripture, and we're going to lay it beside John 5.16. And this is what Jesus said again. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So Jesus spoke to some people, and without contradiction, he told them that ye are of your Father the devil. When we understand that truth, then we understand that there are people that we are not going to change. You can read the Bible to them. You can take them to church. You can present the gospel to them. But you're not going to change who they are. When we understand this truth, then we'll understand the doctrine of election. That God chose His people in Christ before the foundation of the world. That those are the very people that Jesus Christ came to die for. Those are the very people that Jesus redeemed. Those are the people that God predestinated to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And we understand that all of these doctrines fit 
when we understand that there are children of the devil and there are children of God. This also helps us to understand that there are people on this earth that do not know what sin is, nor do they care. They can murder, they can rape, they can kill, they can do whatever they want to. They have no remorse whatsoever because they are the children of the devil and the deeds of your father you will do. And there are children that have a heavenly father that do feel the pain of their sin. They do believe in God. They do want to please the Lord, and many times we know we fail, but there is a difference of people down here on planet Earth. Now, sometimes we have a difficulty distinguishing one between the other because I can tell you God's children never live up to as good as they could be. (laughs) And the children of the devil never live up to as bad as they could be. There's a lot of people that aren't as bad as they possibly could be. A lot of de- the chil- and that's what's confusing to the children of light sometimes is the devil's children do not fully live up. They may be the ones writing about the spirits, <laughs> but they will deny Jesus Christ as being the Son of God. So we better walk in wisdom in this world and understand this truth, and then it helps us to understand the rest of the Scripture. So we uh, understand then that we can get as much money as we want to. We can send... Uh, thousands of children and young people and out to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're not going to change one of the children of the devil. They're going to be the children of the devil, and they'll die the children of the devil. And that I know that sounds hard, but that's what the Bible teaches. I was reading uh, John Gill on this, and he said, as long as ministers don't preach about election and about uh, the, the devil's children, then uh, they're thought well of, and this God is thought very well of. But when you start talking about a sovereign God that chose His people before the world began and He chose them out of a fallen race and the rest of the people do not belong to God and and you start preaching His sovereignty and His majesty and His electing love, then you become very unpopular in the Christian world and you also present a God that is unpopular in the Christian world. But this is the God of the Bible. He is a sovereign God. And he bestows his mercy on where he wants to bestow his mercy. Now let's look at some of these passages of Scripture in the Bible because I want to show you the, the passages that talk about the children of God and set those beside the children of darkness. Well, Matthew 5.16, I've already given that to you. We'll start there. We're going to look at God's children first. I wanted to start on a positive note. At first, I was just going to preach about the children of the devil because that's obvious in the Bible. But I thought, this can't be just a totally negative sermon. I want you to see yourself in this. So, uh, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, what is the purpose of all of the good works that you and I could possibly be do, which includes baptism and uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper, going to church, uh, being a good citizen, um, you know, avoiding sins that we see in the world today that are so propagated in the mu- music and, and movies? Well, the object of our good works is to glorify our Heavenly Father. It's not going to make you His child. It can't any more than you doing something to honor your earthly father can make you your father's child. That's why we do our good works, is we want to glorify God, give Him glory while we're down here to show the world that there are people that love Him, believe in Him, and want to honor Him. Well, let's go to Matthew 5, 
44 and 45. We're just going to go down through here a little bit. And I want you to notice that these passages do mention your heavenly Father. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his sun to shine on the evil and on the good, and sendeth the rain on the just and the unjust. Again, we are encouraged by our Heavenly Father and uh, how that we should live and how that we should walk. Because many times that's not what we do. But we're taught that we are to love those that are our enemies. Now that doesn't mean that we are to love the children of the devil. Or we are to love the people that murder and all. It means that there are people that may be even in your own congregation that you might disagree with or somebody in your family. I'm talking about God's children that can become somewhat of an enemy that we are to love them. We are to try to overcome evil with good. And those that despitefully use us and persecute us that we may be like our Heavenly Father. But notice that He makes the sun to shine on the just and uh, to rise on the evil and on the good. Here in this passage of Scripture, the Lord sets these two children apart even in this verse. There are evil and good. There is just and unjust. And as the rain comes down, this is a blessing that God is kind enough to bestow upon every person that lives on planet Earth. Luke 6.36, Be ye therefore merciful as your Father is merciful. That's another passage of Scripture that teaches us that uh, we are to be like our Heavenly Father. I mean, there's a lot of my, own my Father's personal attributes that I continually to try to imitate in my life. I had a wonderful Father, a far better Father than I've ever been. But he did so many wonderful things when uh, I was a child, and I have always tried to live up to the way that he treated me with my own children. And so I was telling Marilyn this week, I remember something my dad did. He always had time for me. When I had a problem, I could always go to him. There was never a day that was too long for him, or I should say short, that he could not spend whatever time that I needed with whatever was going on in my life. And I look back on that, and I realize he had a business. He had a lot going on. But he always made me to feel like the most important person in the world in my life. And so in this, we're taught that we have a Heavenly Father that is perfect. And so these are some of his attributes. He is very merciful to us. Has he not been merciful to you? A lot of the sins that we've committed in our lives, that he has forgiven us for those sins. He has blessed us above measure. Uh, you know, he's given us so much in spite of what we've done. That's because he is a merciful God. And mercy basically means that we don't receive the punishment that we rightly deserved. And so I think all of us could raise our hand and say, the Lord could have sure spanked me a lot harder than he did, but he was very merciful to me. And that's what we are supposed to be to those around us. We are to give them a way out, try to forgive them, and try to be merciful to those around us. But this is mainly speaking about us as his children, that we are supposed to imitate our father. Here's another passage that's one of my favorite ones that I remember reading when I first came to the church. It's Luke 12:32. It says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. That is Luke 12:32. So he speaks of the church as being a little flock, not a large flock. 
And he says, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So if you're God's child, then he has given you something that's very precious and very valuable. He has given you a kingdom and you are a citizen of that kingdom. We have a a church that we can go to. We have a spiritual family that we can be around and talk to and share our like precious faith with. We have a Bible that we can read that God has given us that we can learn about Him and our relationship with Him and why we're down here and what we're supposed to do. Uh, He's given us light upon the world to come of heaven and, and the angels and God our Father and what Christ has done for us. This is all a part of the kingdom that your Father has given to you free, freely by His grace. Well, we go to uh, Luke 11 and 2. And Jesus is teaching us how to pray. We have a Father that we can pray to. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. So we have a kingdom and we have a Father that we can pray to. He is a Father that loves us. He is a Father that wants to hear from us. He is a Father that wants to bear our burdens with us. He is a Father that we will live with forever one day in glory. And this is another one of our free gifts of God's grace that we have this heavenly Father. And in Galatians 4 and 6, Paul makes this point, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So here's a little doctrinal point here, and that is the fact that you would call upon God or pray to God is because you are already born of God, and He is your Father, and that's why we find ourselves praying to this Father. I don't know about you, but I prayed to this Father before I ever went to church, I ever read my Bible, or before I ever heard a preacher preach a sermon. And I was praying to this God Now, I know a lot more about him today than I did then, but there was something dwelling within my heart that beckoned me to be calling upon this Father which is in heaven, and that's what happens in regeneration. You find yourself speaking to this Father. That's a doctrinal point there, and I remember talking to a man not too long ago, and he said, we're starting a new church. He said, but we're not going to have any doctrine. And I thought, well, you just made one. (laughs) The doctrine of our church is not to have any doctrine. (laughs) How can you have a church without any doctrine? The the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that's a doctrine. (laughs) But there's a lot of wonderful doctrinal passages that we have as God's people. Well, let's look at the children of darkness. Okay, I mean, I think I've made my point concerning our Father and giving you some ideas to who your father may be this morning. And I think I know who your father is, or you probably wouldn't be here this morning to worship in this church, worship the God that we believe in. I'm going to go back to the passage of Scripture that we started with because we're going to dwell there for just a moment. Take your Bibles and go over to uh, this place in uh, John chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 37. And there is a lot of doctrine in this. But the, the thing is that we've got to believe this doctrine if we're going to understand the message that I have for you today. Now here's Jesus Christ and the passage I gave you in the very beginning, He's speaking to some of the Jews. I don't know which ones they were that were not given their names, uh, but we do understand that Jesus was speaking to real people 
people who went to the Jewish church in that day. And Jesus says, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Small f, by the way. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, and he's speaking of by faith there, not naturally, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father, small f. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication, we have one Father, even God, and Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your Father, small f, the devil, and the lust of your father, small f, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Amen. Now, I told you that this this message today is not one of those that's going to put you possibly on cloud nine unless we realize what a great blessing that we have received from our Heavenly Father and His calling. But I've got eight points out of that I want to give you. If you read this passage of Scripture, there are some doctrinal principles that you are going to have to believe if you believe the Bible. Number one is, all of Abraham's seed are not children of God the Father. How many times do you see this sign up that says, Save Israel, they're all God's children? That is not true. They were a people of a covenant of the Old Testament that God made with that people. But Paul said there was no more Jew or Gentile, no more bond or free, Greek or Scythian or all those he mentioned. He said... It has to do with the seed of Jesus Christ, those who are born of him. The second point is, Jesus Christ says this, My word hath no place in you. My word hath no place in you. That means that the preached word, like I'm preaching to you today, or the written word that you would read about, cannot find a place in you. You cannot understand it. You will not believe it. It will have no impact upon your soul. It will not move you to do anything different. It will not convince you of sin. It has no place in you. That is a doctrinal point concerning the children of the devil that Jesus Christ was speaking to at that point. And that agrees with so many other scriptures. I'm going to give you two of them right now. One of them is 2 Timothy 1 and 10. 2 Timothy 1 and 10 is where Paul wrote to Timothy and was telling him the purpose of the gospel. And he says, But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What does the gospel do? Does it give life? No, it gives light. It gives light to the children of light. So if you are one of God's children, the preached word, the written word, will not make you a child of God, but it will give you light upon the God that dwells in your heart. I've used several illustrations on this, but I always remember that time me and a buddy went out uh, in the uh, way out in the country one night, and we were going to see if we could find some deer. We didn't have a gun, but we were just driving around. <laughs> anyway, and so we were on this dark road, and uh, we had the lights turned off on that old scout we had, and we were waiting, to, uh, and we thought we saw something up in the sky, a fallen star. So we turned the lights off, and we sat there a minute, and we were looking up at the s- sky to see if there was a falling star. And I reached down, and after it happened, I reached down and turned the lights on to start the engine, and there was a man standing right in front of the vehicle, <laughs> and it scared us to death. And I realized, but you know, when, when, when you think about that, that, that light did not create that man, did it? It just shone the light on something that was already there. And that's what the gospel does. It shines the light on the Christ that already dwells in your heart. And that's the purpose of the gospel. And that's why Jesus said, my word hath no place in you. It will not shine a light in your dead and dark heart. 1 Corinthians 2.14. We mention this a lot, but it's also a doctrinal truth that Jesus Christ just gave us the truth of. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. A natural man is a man that is dead in trespasses and in sin. The Spirit does not dwell within him. He is a children of the devil. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So they have to, you have to be able to discern things spiritually to be born again. And Jesus just said, My word hath no place in you. Third point. Jesus said, ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Now, he did tell them that the devil was their father. And he's telling them that that is all that you can do. All that you can do is the nature in which you possess. You have no spiritual nature. You cannot do spiritual things. And as God's children, the children of light do those things that are pleasing to their heavenly father and the children of the devil are going to do those things that are pleasing unto him he can use them he can um, he can use them in many ways that are very wicked and very evil and we don't need to go into those because i'm sure you know what those are jesus said a second time uh, that you do the deeds of your father he said that twice and then he said if god were your father ye would love me okay so here we've got another doctrinal point And that is that if God is your father and not the devil, you are going to love God. So I would ask you this morning, do you love God? And if you can say, I love God, I believe in God, then you have the greatest evidence that you could ask for that you're already one of God's children. And that is before you go through any Christian ordinances or any of the things that people would tell you to do, become a child of God, you have the evidence that you already are one of God's children, in case somebody was worried about it. (laughs) In 1 John 4 and 7, uh, this doctrine comes back up. Everything Jesus said in this this little uh, tidbit that we've got before you, you can find an abundant amount of Scripture that agrees with the words of... And why shouldn't we? 
because these were the doctrines that Jesus Christ gave to the apostles in which they wrote the Scriptures. So in 1 John 4 and 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So how can you love somebody that you do not know? I mean, God must be dwelling in your heart if you are going to be loving this God. 1 John 4 and 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now, God is love, but it doesn't mean that God loves everybody. It means that any love that anybody has emanates or proceeds from God through the Spirit of God. 1 John 3 and 10, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil... Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So, Jesus once again speaks of this love for God is because that we are one of his children and we are born from above. Now, I've got a lot of scriptures here I can give you on all of this. I'm going to try to pass over some of them. But Jesus says something else here. He asks them, why do you not understand my speech? I've already given that to you, and if you were listening, you understand that they were dead in trespasses and in sin. Why do you not understand my speech? And he says, even because you cannot hear my word. You cannot hear my word. You cannot understand the gospel. You cannot understand the scriptures because it has no place in their heart. And then again, he says, you're of your father, the devil, the lust of your father, ye will do. And then he says, he that is of God heareth God's word. Ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. He didn't say you might be of God one day. You could be of God one day. There is a chance that you might be of God one day. He said, ye are not of God. Now, this is a hard saying. I know that this sounds hard coming from the pulpit, but, but imagine how it sounded when Jesus Christ preached those words to those people on that day. You can see in many ways why Jesus Christ himself was crucified. Because he told people the truth. He gave them the truth of God. Let's go over to the book of 2 Peter. And we're going to go to Jude. And a couple of other places here. 2 Peter chapter 2. And I'm giving you these scriptures because a lot of these places... People read it, but they just pass over it and say, I don't understand that. Well, you can understand it now because this is, <laughs> this is all on the same platform. 2 Peter 2, 14 through 17. These are the words of the Apostle Peter having eyes. He's speaking of the children of the devil. Okay? Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Okay? We sin. But we can cease from it. We can repent of it. We do things that are wrong. And we can do some of the same things that they do. But we can cease from it. They cannot cease from it. Beguiling unstable souls. Now these are the ones that in this world, if you're, a, if you're here today and you're a young person, you may say this doesn't sound like a message for young people. It is a message for young people. Because young people need to understand there's some people in this world that will destroy you. And this is a description of them. Beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have practiced, have exercised with that with covetous practices. Cursed children. Pretty hard, isn't it? Which have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. You can read about him. He's a covetous person. He's willing to preach anything for money. 
but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Even the animal spoke to this man and he didn't understand. These are wells without water. Catch this. Wells without water. Clouds that are carried with a tempest. To whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. Reserved forever. That's foreboding news to some people who live in this world and are having their full belly full of sin and they're trying to deceive God's people. But I'm going to tell you something. In the end, there is a reservation for them in the midst of darkness and they're going to get their reservation because God has promised that to them just as surely as He's promised heaven and everlasting glory to His people and nothing is going to change it. Now that's Peter's... Let's go to Jude. You ever read the book of Jude? It's only one verse, one, one chapter. Same thing. Jude, Jude verse 10. It's only one chapter. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. Well, how can they possibly know them? <laughs> because the Word has no place in their heart. They can't understand it. But what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, who murdered his brother, by the way, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam, there he is again, for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kori. These are spots in your feasts of charity. Apparently there were some of them that were among the early church that had come into the church. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Now the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And a person that is in that this these people have no fear of God before their eyes. There is no fear of God before their eyes, the psalmist said. They're clouds without water. Again, we've got the clouds without water. I mean you look up there and you think there's something promising in them. They may look like it, but there's nothing there. Carried about with winds. In other words, every wind of doctrine. They have no stability in their own soul. There is no doctrine that they have feasted upon nor that they can believe in. Carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit. Without fruit of God, That, by the way. Twice dead. Dead in trespasses and in sins. And dead in every other way. I used to know what that other second one was. I can't remember it right now. But they're plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved what? The blackness of darkness forever. We don't preach a last chance doctrine at this church. We preach a successful Savior that saved His people from their sins. Amen. And there is no chance for the wicked. They never had one. And your salvation never was a chance. It was a done deal by the person of Jesus Christ. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints 
That's going to be that time when Jesus Christ comes back and He brings His people with Him and He calls us from the grave and we are gathered together with God's family forever to execute judgment and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches with ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. These are murmurs, complainers, walking after their own lust. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. So, here you have another description of Satan's children, of the devil's children, right here in the book of Jude. Another way you identify them, 1 John 2 and 22, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. A person that denies that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, that's one of the devil's children as well. You find several religions that propagate that. They've written their own Bibles. They have their own doctrines. They'll knock on your door. They'll tell you they got a better Bible. Better be careful because those are some of the same people. There are several other passages of Scripture if you're taking notes. John chapter 10 let me just give this one to you, 24, 26. Then came the Jews round about Jesus, and he said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. That's pretty plain, isn't it? I mean, would you argue with Jesus and say, well, you know, I really think that's one of his sheep. They're talking to him. <laughs> no, they're not his sheep. Jesus came to lay down his life. For who? The sheep. That's who Jesus Christ came to die for. Let's go to 1 John again, chapter 3. There's a passage here I want to give you. Our time's running out. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Now you might say, wait a minute, I've committed sin, am I the devil? Well, let's read on. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. He cannot, he cannot sin because he is born of God, and this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not is brother. So this is speaking about the blood of the Lamb and how that you, your sins, if you belong to God, cannot be held eternally against you because they have been paid for by the blood of the Lamb and your seed of faith remains within you and it cannot be taken away. This does not mean that we do not sin. We all know that we sin. The Bible says we all sin. There is none righteous, no, not one. But this is talking about an eternal judgment that's been passed upon a person. And the word abideth, it means continually and cannot stop, which agrees with the other passages that we have already given you. Let's go to... Um, Revelation, just for a moment. It seems like Christians today love the book of Revelation. They're always talking about the Revelation and Jesus coming back and some of these fanciful movie things that are not even true that uh, they've made a lot of money off of. But let's look at the Lamb's Book of Life for a minute. Okay? 
Everybody talks about their name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we, we want our name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But uh, Revelation 17 and 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When was the book of life written? From the foundation of the world. Which agrees with Ephesians 1 and 4. That God chose His people in Christ when? Before the foundation of the world. That tells us that the elect family of God's names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. And if there were some that were written in the Lamb's Book of Life, there were obviously some that were not written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. So we begin to look at this and understand that God had already made this choice before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13 and 8 is another one. And they that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. This is Satan. Whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So when you're talking about the Lamb's Book of Life, we're not down here trying to get our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, that name was etched upon the Lamb's Book of Life, just like Jesus, you know, tells us that no man can pluck them out of my hand. It was in the Lamb's Book of Life before the world was ever spoken into existence. I want to give you one more, and then I'll be done. It's over in Romans chapter 9. And this all agrees with everything I've already given you, and hopefully it'll help you understand it. This is another passage of Scripture. I remember my grandmother used to tell me that there are some passages of Scripture that she would show people like Romans chapter 9, and they would say, well, that's really not in my Bible. And she'll say, why is it? And it's in my Bible. And the person said, I took my scissors and I cut it out of the Bible. And you know, that's, Well, you may not take a pair of scissors and cut it out of the Bible, but you may cut it out of your mind and say, I really don't know if I understand that or if I like that passage of Scripture, but it's still there. And I can promise you that God is going to do everything I've given to you today, whether people like it. It doesn't matter how big a following somebody gets and opposes these things. This is the way that God is going to roll things over and finish this world up. Here we go to Romans chapter 9. I'm, not, I'm going to pass over 11, but I'm going to come on down here when... When Jesus says, well, I'll give you 11. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Well, that's a passage of Scripture that people don't like. I've got it in my book, A Manifesto of Grace, and... People tell me, well, I like your book, but there's something in that book I really don't like. Well, I know what it is. It's Romans chapter 9 and verse 11. Because when God says he doesn't love anybody, it is an insult to the pride of the human heart to think that God might not love one of us lovely creatures down here. But God said it. He does not love Esau, but he loves Jacob. And it is his sovereign will 
to love who he wants to love. And so people have a problem with that. So he decides, well, let's, let's put a little bit more here in Romans chapter 9 and try to explain this so people will accept it. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? <laughs> you just said he was unrighteous, didn't you? You didn't like that passage of Scripture, so you're, now you're accusing this God of being somebody less than good and me for telling you about it. <laughs> is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid is what Paul says. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Is that not the sovereignty of God? Can he not have mercy where he wants to? Does he have to have mercy on everybody? No. So it is, not of, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Amen. And then he goes on with this explanation to help us even understand it. If you didn't get that much, if you still have a problem with it, let's go a little further. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this purpose have I raised thee up. This is Pharaoh of Egypt. I gave you this power, I gave you this kingdom, and I did it for this reason. That I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. What did he do with Pharaoh? He drowned him in the ocean to show who God really is. It wasn't Pharaoh. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will he hardeneth. You know, God can harden a heart. He can do what he wants. And now we're going to have Paul's arguments. He was kind of like this attorney. And so he's going to take both sides of this thing. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Well, why would God find fault with you? If he really moves you to do something, you can't resist his will. But you see, God can do with us as he wants. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replieth against God? Shall the thing form that would be us say to him that formed it that would be God, why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another vessel unto dishonor? Children of God. Children of the devil. If you're a child of God, you are a vessel made unto honor to please and glorify God the Father that he might make known the riches of his glory and the vessels of mercy which he hath afore prepared unto glory. So here we have the same explanation of where we started in the very beginning of this message. Now this is what we believe in our church. Amen. When you boil it all down, if you understand the doctrine of election, you understand that God chose a people out of a fallen race. He didn't do anything bad to the rest of them. He left them where they were, fallen sinners. That's right. You then you can understand the doctrine of predestination that God predetermined to send His Son to die for those people. You can understand the everlasting covenant that God chose these people and He gave them to the Son to die for and the Son died for those very people. You can understand the atonement that the sins are atoned for those very people. All of this makes sense if we read the Bible and we understand it that God, has a, God is our Father and the devil is the father of his children. There are some wicked people down here. You will never change them. They're going to always be here. There's been a battle between Satan's children and the children of light since the moment of time, and that battle will continue to rage until this world is no more. Our, we just need to know who our father is 
and honor him in our lives. I appreciate your attention. In John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus Christ preached on some of these these same sort of topics, right? The sovereignty of God and salvation. And, And we find in the Bible people responding to Jesus and saying, this is an hard saying, who can hear it? Jesus preached some things that people said, man, that is tough to hear. It's difficult to hear. If your Christian religion is composed entirely of things that you've heard and said, that is utterly pleasant to me, I have no difficulty in accepting that at all. It's almost certain that you have embraced some things that aren't true or that you have some enormous glaring omissions in your teaching so that you've never actually encountered these things because the disciples of Christ heard his teachings at times and said, that's a hard saying. I'm not sure I understand it. I may not even like it, but that's the truth. It's not often preached on this particular topic that you preached on today about, you know, year of your father, the devil. It's not uh, one that's going to make everybody stand up and smile. It's one of those hard sayings. And it's one of the reasons that Christianity avoids Romans 9 an awful lot. You don't find those who disagree with us wading into that room very often. They tend to, in fact, you may find that among Christians you know that many of them are totally unaware of what is said in Romans 9. That's how much it is avoided in some Christian circles. In fact, when they hear that, one of the most common objections that I've heard over the years is for them to say, well, if that's true, then God is not good. Right. Have you heard that? I mean, I've, I've had many people over the years say it to me. If that is true, then God is not good. But Paul is quoting something that God said to Moses when he talks about this. And I think it's very important in responding to that particular objection to look at what's said. And that's found in Exodus chapter 33 and verses 18 and 19. Now, you may remember this interaction. Moses is talking with God. And he says, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Show me your glory, God. Show me your glory. This is Moses talking directly to God. And God's response is this. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. What he's about to tell him is from the mouth of God himself a manifestation of God's goodness. What I'm about to show you is my goodness. You hear that? Now what does he say? And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Now those who hear Paul say that in Romans and say, if God does that, he's not good, have to come back here and realize when God said that, he said to Moses, this is a manifestation of my goodness. It's a very proof before you that I'm good. Those who oppose it on that basis are just not accepting God's own testimony about Himself. And it's very plainly stated in the Bible. Paul repeats it there, and he says, this is my goodness. It's God's sovereign prerogative to save whom He will. That's what Paul's saying about the potter. He can choose to do what he wants with the world he made. It's been well said, if you don't like that, you can make your own world and run it the way you want to. But God is the sovereign ruler of this universe. 
I appreciate that sermon. It's that particular topic of two fathers is not, I haven't heard that preached on. I know it's, um, but it's true and it's important that we know it. It did occur to me, however, that it's so little preached on, maybe, that those who aren't aware of it and are maybe aware of a little bit of Old Baptist past, they might say, well, that sounds a lot like two seedism. <laughs> and because well, you hadn't preached on that in so long. You're, you're preaching two-seedism. Well, two-seedism was an error that cropped up among our people many years ago. And it's related to this idea that, like, the devil and Eve had a child, and that child was Cain, and there are seeds of the devil and seeds of, of God. And uh, it also, I think, incorporates the idea that Satan was an eternally existent being just like God was. And it's a terrible error. But you can see how further downstream it might lead to a place where you're saying, well, there's children of the Father and there's children of the devil. Well, two-seedism starts from a very false premise. And it was an error that cropped up among our people. And what, he, what he's preaching here is not two-seedism at all. It's really just the manifestation of how the Bible talks about the doctrine of election. God has people that he chose. He has adopted sons and that he is their father as a result of that. So I really appreciate that Brother Sonny preached on that topic today because, as he said, it's, it's one that hasn't been preached on a lot, and it's very needful. I think it helps us see the world that's around us a little bit better. Thank you for listening to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church. This has been Elder Neil Phelan, Jr., preaching from one of our regular meetings. Come and join us as we worship God in the simplicity of Christ every Sunday morning at 416 North Hall Street in Donaldson, Arkansas. At Harmony, we don't have many things that are so common in the religion of our day, but we do have a successful Savior. We invite you to come and see.